0: Episode 167, Happy Hween. recorded November 2nd, 2014, brought to you by Element Opie Productions. I'm going to see if I can do the whole show in movie announcer voice.
1: You sound like my television does, <laughs> kind of uh, gri- or fuzzy like around a- the edges, not, not, clear, say- not clear quality.
2: I was going to say it sounds almost like a broken subwoofer. <laughs>
0: That's not what it sounds like to me. Sounds fine over here. Must be your speakers. <laughs> Must be. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox cockerel, and I am joined this week by your friends and mine, Chris, the Command Line Godfather, and Seth, the gooey kid Anderson. Hello, gentlemen, how are
2: you? Doing fine this evening, I hope everyone else is too.
1: Reared up and ready to go. Woohoo! Go, random, chewy. (laughs) So,
0: keep uh, it real. Just uh, you know, this show is the first show after uh, Elsa Ween. I I decided to call it that this year because just in my subdivision alone, there were twenty three Elsas and ten Anna's that came that I saw. So it was was unquestionably the the season of Elsa. Uh, in 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 middle america in fact i saw a great uh, facebook post just just before i came on on the show of uh, a man who had five daughters and they all wanted to be elsa so he dressed as elsa with them cuz nice. so my next door neighbor, na- my daughter was elsa my my youngest my next door neighbor's two daughters were both elsa uh, so we had three elsas within 30 feet of each other um
2: uh, that, i don't think that's allowed i think that that, that breaks the continuum
0: Anna was much less popular. There were 10 Annas that I saw. So, you know, better than two to one, Elsa's. says. Because because who wants to be the whiny younger sister when you can be the older sister who has the power to freeze stuff?
2: Yeah, no kidding.
0: Um, I didn't see any Hanses. I saw two baby Olafs and one great big Olaf, which was me. Yes. uh, (laughs) to, uh, To make my daughter happy, I dressed as Olaf. And I wanted to go you know, uh, sort of reversal on it, right? She's little and, and I'm big. So instead of the big Anna and the big Elsa and the little Olaf, I reversed it. So, but you know, cause Olaf has the pointy head and then the, the <laughs> stick sticking out of his hair. By the time I had all that together on my large frame, I was over a seven foot Olaf walking <laughs> around the neighborhood.
2: Awesome. That, that, that's, that's, that's I thumbs up you, sir. Well, I know, had
1: to I had to duck going through doorways. If you're with a little girl doing that, that's good. But, like, you couldn't have walked around by yourself. That would have been creepy. <laughs> oh, so. but I did. I wore it to
0: work. We had, <laughs> no, uh, because it was Friday and casual Fridays at work, and because of the Halloween, because those two things coincided, they allowed us to wear costumes at work. So I was Olaf, seven-foot Olaf, all day on Friday, <laughs> having deep conversations about timelines and objectives with people, and and it was so funny because people literally couldn't look at me. They would be looking at the wall on the other side and be having the conversation because they couldn't look at Olaf and have a serious That's conversation.
2: That is awesome. absolutely hilarious.
0: You know, I thought Olaf, little Olaf, says, hi, I'm Olaf, and I like warm hugs. So I thought, well, the seven-foot Olaf would go, hi, I'm Olaf, and I like warm
2: hugs. There you go. Oh, my. Oh, that that just screams bad. <laughs>
0: Hey, kids, want a warm hug?
2: I've <laughs> oh, got worse this van a,
0: right over here.
2: <laughs> That's worse than the jo- the jolly fat man who uh, who will be sitting in yes. big chairs here soon.
0: Yeah, uh, I, 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 I made that joke, and one of my coworkers said, let's play a game of good idea, bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> that qualifies as a bad idea.
1: you're like that's a good idea right oh
0: so i haven't dressed in costume like since high school um so i i decided i was going to have fun with this if i was going to do it so uh giant Olaf the the the, uh one negative was i made it out of a fleece hoodie i'm naturally hot natured anyway and then i (laughs) put the fleece hoodie on and then i put other stuff padding and stuff to to build the costume around the fleece hoodie i was boiling uh in Little. that thing even and and it started it turned really cold while we were out and actually started raining later that night like one twenty, one thirty in the morning it started snowing here in northern georgia and wow. uh when the rain came to it did by the way it didn't stop a single kid from running door to door <laughs> saying trick-or-treat but nice. I, <laughs> the cold wind came through and it started raining i was like oh this is manna from heaven this feels <laughs> so good
2: <laughs> nice yeah, we didn't have much of anything when it came for, but we had really bad winds for my, for our trigger treating, but the winds died down and it just was a nice 20 degrees outside. So we liked it. It was good.
1: All right. Yeah, so it that, got down to right about freezing at our house, but that are here in East Texas, but no precipitation. So it wasn't too bad.
0: Yeah. It was, it was the kind of snow that, that melts like five feet off the ground, but you know, right. in the South, any snow, snow and you take it and run with it so what did you guys do for halloween or fall festival or whatever name you like to call it
1: well our church had a uh we had just like a costume party and so i was like thinking what could i do and so i decided to go with the whole ebola theme and you can actually look at my homemade ghetto ebola costume (laughs) Uh, you know so i have my little survival pack and then uh you know, most of that stuff is you can buy at the hardware store, and you can't tell in the kind of weird lighting, but that's a uh, that's a mosquito netting around my head, and you know, and so that's like the camo pattern on top. It looks like a cookie uh in the picture, <laughs> but that's what it is. And I actually won funniest costume, uh, so yay, I won a Waterburger burger.
2: Nice. Uh, so you had
0: like your quasi hazmat suit going on. Uh, yeah. For those who don't see the, the the link there
1: but they'll be able to see it we'll stick it in the show notes yeah, i'll post
0: it up there yeah and i, I may post go. a f- picture of, of me as a maybe i haven't decided yeah I, I had a couple of guys you know laughing at me as guys are wont to do and i said I, I have no dignity you can't hurt me go ahead yeah. laugh away <laughs> once i put this thing on i pretty much admitted i have no dignity <laughs> <laughs> i had parents taking pictures of me Just, you know, random (laughs) parents on the street. Uh, It was such a hit. Um, what about you, Chris? Uh,
2: uh, I was the whole, uh, walking around, you know, with the kids and drive and driving them all over and carving pumpkins and making scary houses. And yeah, a whole lot of that stuff.
0: How many pumpkins did you carve?
2: We ended up carving, um, anywhere between what was it i think the the final count of pumpkins that made it (laughs) from start to finish we were at nine including our two teals but uh yeah we we lost one and we lost one and then one we cut into and it was uh probably shouldn't have been sold Mm. we had a couple of those so yeah but we ended up with about seven jacks so it was a a lot of fun um me and my son were the last ones carving because, of course, we were crazy and did five or three-hour carving marathon.
0: Nice. But we yeah, we yeah. painted ours. It's faster and safer. Mix up some tempera paint, paint a pumpkin, call it good.
2: Ah. Takes away all the fun of carving, though. My son's getting pretty darn talented with his carving, with the, the cheapy tools that you get at, camp, at your local grocery store. So I think next year I'm going to buy him a A premium grade set of carving knives and see how well he does.
0: Yeah, you got, you're fond of, what's that uh, site you like to use with the stencils?
2: Zombiepumpkin.com. Yeah, and that's,
0: it's the the pay what you want model, isn't it? Or am I thinking uh,
2: something else? No, they, they, they have a tier for like one, for the first level tier, you get, I think, four or a choice of, Four categories or five categories or something like that. And then as you go up, you get the ability to download more stencils. And we normally go with the unlimited one just for the simple fact that he also donates, um, a portion of whatever is donate whatever is charged to him or whatever is given to him for the-, the stencils. Uh, a portion of that goes to a cancer fund every year.
0: Okay. So that's where I got the, the charitable idea in my yeah.
2: head. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. Um, I don't remember who it was this year, but uh let me go pull him up really quick. But it was uh, another good charity that I figured, you know, for nothing else, at least something's going to charity out of it. And, you know, and uh, I've just
0: about decided that that is the best way to donate to charity indirectly because I have yep. I have on a, on a few occasions made donations in my name to various organizations and they sick the bloodhounds on you. And you start getting calls and emails and, and letters about more donations. And and it just really makes me not want to donate anymore. I always prefer to donate anonymously if I can. Any opportunity I can to give money without being known, I'll do it. You know, if I can stuff a hundred dollar bill in the, in the bell ringer's bucket, that's better to me than to, to, to fill out a form online. Yeah. But sometimes you just can't like i was sponsoring uh aaron uh, on his marathon run last year and he he wanted to to sponsor through the american cancer society so i did that um i'm naming you i'm calling you out american cancer society and i donated you know a, a significant chunk of money and so now they're calling me all the time and particularly uh-huh. during october right breast cancer awareness month right it was relentless and 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 you're totally doing the opposite of what you think you're doing American Cancer Society. You have made sure that I don't donate to you ever again.
2: Well, you, if you would have, if you would have got your stencils from zombie pumpkins, you would have been donating to the um, anxiety, anxiety and depression association of America. So, a good, another good fund. Last yeah. year it was the brain tumor society. So, um, whoever the guy is that owns zombiepumpkin.com, you have a good heart, buddy. Uh, you'll be getting my checks every year.
0: All right, I appreciate that. Um now I have a question for the audience. This is dangerous. It always is when you ask this audience for feedback because they let you know. They oh yeah. <laughs> but uh uh I'm going to say I'm looking at getting a new phone. Uh and not just because I need a uh, want a new phone. My my Nexus 5 that I have is fine. It's awesome. But AT&T in Atlanta totally sucks. Um uh, where I, came I think, from, you,
1: Mark, you could just say that AT&T totally sucks. You don't really need to well, qualify that with a you C. know <laughs>
0: In the Dallas area where I came from, it was the only game in town. You had an AT&T phone or you didn't have a phone. Uh, Sprint, right. Verizon, oh, uh, none of those guys worked. Then. So uh, you know, I've, I've been an AT&T customer for 20 years almost, uh, a very long time. Uh, I haven't had a cell phone for 20 years. But for as long as I've had a cell phone, it's been with AT&T. Um, and so you I moved to Atlanta inertia, right? It's the same, Seth? same, uh, uh, company. I'm comfortable with it. I'm not really interested in, in changing, but after two years of not being able to make or receive phone calls in my own kitchen, uh, I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. So I'm looking at switching to Verizon because again, they're the, in Atlanta, Verizon is the company. So audience, what cell phone should I use? That can be used on the Verizon network. As far as I know, Verizon doesn't resell with anybody else. Uh, I know T-Mobile uh, uses well. the AT&T network, and a couple other people use the Sprint network. But around here, it's Verizon or or bust. So tell me who I can, uh, what phone I should get, and what carrier I should use. And I think it's I think the carrier answer is Verizon. Uh, but what phone should I use? Should I use the Droid? Uh, what's the new one? Droid Ultra? Something. Chris just crashed his Skype. He'll let me know when he comes back. Um, uh, what do you What do you recommend? The Nexus Six? Do I want a six inch phone? Six inch is a big phone. Um, do I want to um, you know move on to uh, a, a non Nexus offering and, and go? I've had a HTC phones and I've liked them. I've never had a Motorola phone. Uh, well, not since my flip phone. Uh, so what What do you recommend, audience? What phone should I get? I'm not telling you that whatever you say I'm going to do, I'm just asking your <laughs> opinion. Uh, well, do you guys have an opinion?
2: Uh, I'm going to say the Motorola Turbo. Uh, right now, that seems to be the best phone on the market, at least at this particular moment in time.
0: All right, and so is the Motorola Turbo the one that's pretty much the new Nexus 6? There's, I think that's, that Motorola was making the Nexus 6, right? And one of them they just sort of upsized. Is that the one?
2: I think so. Um, that's, cause like last year they had the Motorola X. Um, the Moto, Moto X. 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 Yeah. yeah. And the Moto X was, would have been my phone of choice, except for that they had a horrible camera. Um, the new one, the Moto X2, uh, they got a better camera, but they killed it. They made the screen bigger, and then, which, of course, then killed the battery life. So, um, you know, it's kind of half and half. So but the Droid of,
0: Turbo is like a 23-megapixel camera, if I remember correctly?
2: Yep. It's huge, and it it's front and back. So you have the same quality pictures on the front cameras you do on the back camera. Um, out of all the ones that I've been looking at, because my wife is due for an upgrade here in a couple of months, uh, I think that's the one she's going to end up going with because of the simple fact that it covers everything she wants. And then some.
0: They say the battery will last 48 hours. We all know that's a lie. Uh, oh, yeah. But, you know, that's okay.
2: As long as it lasts more than 12 hours I'd or even 10 hours, I'd be okay with the idea. You know what I mean? I mean, as long as it lasts a whole day with, you know, and then, of course, you're going to have your jump points where you're in your car or at your desk where you could pop it in for five minutes. But they say that it's got that fast charge ability where you can right. plug it in. And 15 minutes gives you eight hours. So, so my Nexus
0: 5, I can get 16 hours. Uh, if I mean, that's running it down to 1%, but I can right. get 16 hours of regular use, listening to podcasts, checking email, that sort of stuff. And that's fine with me. Um, if you know, if I can't find a place to plug in for 20 minutes sometime in the 16 hour day, I'm not going to blame the phone for that. Um, you know, in a phone that says it's got 48 hours of battery life. It it doesn't, but let's say it comes in at half of that. Let's say it's twenty four hours. That's amazing. If I can go all night long, twenty four hours, and never have to plug in my phone, that's great. Uh, Yeah, I don't really expect that, but you know, we'll see.
2: But like, like I was saying though, if you would last until you know from the day the time you woke up till the time you made it home after your commute, and you just and that's when you plug it in, I think that's a win. Um, even if it lasts a little bit longer than that, from you know, eye eye opening till till dinner time, I would be okay with.
0: Yeah, and and one of the things that kills a phone more than anything else is weak cell signal, and being on AT and T and having a weak cell signal everywhere I go, this phone may last way longer if it had a good a good signal. Um. Because what you, if you don't understand how that works, if you don't get signal, your phone will actually crank up the power it sends to the radio and try to, try to listen harder to use a ridiculously non technical term. Um, and it'll try, <laughs> it'll, it'll try to, to, to home in on a weak signal by sending more power and actually digitally amping up the antenna, which of course sucks down your battery. Now it does that in pulsives. It'll jump up, say, is there anything that I can find right here? No, and then it'll go back down, uh, and then it'll wait a little while and say, "Can I find a better signal than the crappy one I have right now?" And it'll reach out, and if it finds one, it'll switch off. And there's there's work that has to be done there. There's calculations that take place that takes yep. battery, um, and it'll try to, and it'll be spend all day jumping between weak cell towers, or trying to find cell towers. So that'll kill a battery pretty quickly. And so anybody in Atlanta with an AT and T phone knows that's the way it goes. Unless you're downtown Atlanta, you don't have any signal. Um, certainly up North up here, I don't know, down South, it may be better, but you know, in my office building eight, uh, on the eighth floor, you know, so I'm a hundred feet or more up. You'd think yeah. it would be the optimum place to get a signal. I get one bar at best.
2: Um, Wow. And, he- and, and, and your and your, company won't put a booster in? Uh, no, why would they?
0: It's my All phone. Right. It's not their phone.
2: Well, no, but you'd think that they'd put a booster in because you're, you work for a hospital. You'd think they'd want yeah, good coverage for the entire are on, building.
0: All their phones are on Verizon. They work
2: great. You uh, know, they, sure.
0: as long as, long as their phones work on Verizon, they don't care yeah. about my phone on ATT.
2: I guess the, the thing I've, I'm trying to get my hands around, I guess the ones, all the amp, all the, um, cell tower or the, the cell boosters we get up here are multi, they're, they're multi, you know, channeled so we get not just one cell company, we get other ones too. So, I guess well, I, if it was me, if it was my company. I'd want everybody, any of my companies, to have good yeah. cell service, not just one section. No. <laughs> if I, if uh, I ruled the world, man, there'd be a whole lot of things that'd be different. So, but we all know that, that doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> Hundred gigabit to the desktop for everybody. That's, that's right. That's what the platform I would run for president
2: on. Fiber optic to the doorstop. 75% tax
0: rate to make that happen, but you know, you you pay for what you get.
2: (laughs) But you'd only have it for a couple of years at that high, (laughs) and then it could come back down once it's paid for. See?
0: No, taxes never come back
2: down. No, no, no. That's the government's money. (laughs) 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 That's right. (laughs) Again, the difference if I ruled the world or not.
0: (laughs) Technically, no government and any government has any money. Even monarchies. It's not their money. It's your money. They're just grabbing it.
2: They're holding onto it for you for a better day. Right.
0: (laughs) That's what always makes me mad when people get a big tax return. Ooh, yay, I'm getting a big tax return. No, you made the government a non-interest-bearing loan for a year. That's not something to be happy about.
1: But how else would the government keep going, Mark, if people like me didn't loan it money? Uh, interest-free <laughs> you know somebody's got to do something to support all those people who don't do anything but scam the system
0: all right we're veering way down into the uh, po- political land so uh what anything else you guys want to talk about before we jump into our listener feedback for the week
1: oh, i was just going to oh, say good. mark your next phone needs to be a phablet you need to have a eight nine inch screen minimum
2: you
0: know if well, anyone I, could I would pull, pull it, it off so it's, it's, it's a phablet yeah. That's, yeah, I've got the hands. I could make it yeah,
2: happen. Yeah, that's what I mean. You have the hands. You could pull off a phablet. I got little itty bitty hands, and and you know even my HTC M8 looks weird in my hands.
0: Yeah, well, that's one of the things I've I've been considering with the you know I love the Nexus family, and this is a 4.9 something inch phone on the Nexus Five, a full inch bigger than that. a half inch bigger than the iPhone Six. That's a big yep. freaking phone, and uh, I don't. You know, generally, I think that's a good thing, right? Big screen, more real estate, uh, easier to see, but bigger batteries. Yeah. But being able to handle a phone that big and just living with it, um, I, I could do it, right? Cause one of the benefits of being a fat guy is you have big pockets. Uh, but you know, <laughs> uh, an average five foot two inch woman carrying around a six inch phone, I just don't see how that would work.
2: It's called a purse. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> Or her husband's jacket pocket.
0: Well, I have a coworker that has a big, uh, has an iPhone in a wallet that it's a wallet. You know, it's got the credit yeah. cards and the money and all that. And it's like a, like a pocketbook, uh, with the phone in it. And I think that's, that works well for a woman. But, you know, if I tried to do that, I would be laughed out of even bigger than wearing the Olaf costume. Um, <laughs> but uh, also, my little brother. The,
2: I was right. going to say, my little brother pulls it off. He's got the, the giant note. You know, the, I don't remember how big the newest note is, but that thing's huge.
0: Yeah. See, a guy can get away with carrying like uh, a notebook, right? If it looks like an attache or a, a leather folio, he can get away with that. But a guy carrying a checkbook, you know, a pocketbook, it's, it's
2: just, Oh not a yeah. Notebook. A full, full checkbook. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. All, all he's got in his credit cards and his cash and his, his license and everything, everything else is not, he doesn't carry it.
0: I, I was just coming, I think, see, we're going way off the rails, but that's okay. That's what we do here. I was yep. thinking about that the Down other day. Down the rabbit day, hole. But, uh, 20 years ago, maybe not even 20 years ago, 10 years ago, a backpack was something that a college student had as he was taking a trip across Europe. Today, right. I see businessmen in suits with backpacks. Yep. Um Partly because of the backpack culture, right? We It started 10 years ago, 15, maybe 20 years ago, as every kid had a backpack. They went through college, had a backpack. Now, as an adult, you realize a backpack's a really handy thing to have. Um, and I've seen really nice, like, leather backpacks that, that are, you know, uh, attache case quality, but they're backpacks. And I've, I've thought about how that, that has changed. It's no longer considered um, amateurish to carry a backpack if it's a nice enough backpack.
1: And you don't see really a lot of briefcases anymore right it's gone from the briefcase to the backpack,
0: which is a much more functional device. The right. backpack yep. is much handier than the briefcase it just took us a well, while one those through. it it, it kind of went through the messenger bag for a while
2: yep uh, say so the messenger bag is i see I still see a few of those every once in a while up here
0: yeah so we had to go from briefcase to messenger bag to backpack um and i I love the backpack it's it is a it is a A a force multiplier, you know, it is a great way to carry stuff. You don't feel the weight. You have both your hands free. And I'm, I'm glad that it's making its way into the business world so that I can wear a suit with a backpack. It's still not all the way there yet, but it's getting there. Of course, I work in the tech industry. So we, we, I don't know what if I'm, I don't know if I'm going to write in saying we lead the way, but we certainly, we have a different, we have a way of our own. So I don't know if a lawyer could be seen in court. With a leather backpack, but certainly in the IT world, it's commonplace yeah. these days.
2: Well, that's because IT people carry so much more gear, not just paperwork, but gear, you know, the, you know, screwdriver kits. I mean, I, I still carry three different screwdriver kits, a, a crimper tool and all sorts of other tools that I don't ever use on a day to day, but in that off chance where, I, oh, I just need to pop that thing open and it's fixable. Yeah. So, I carried a me, Leatherman
0: on my belt every day for 15 years. It's the best tool ever.
2: Yeah. It went
0: from being a huntsman's tool to a technical tool. All right. Moving on to our listener feedback. Knight comments on programming the hard way. It says, Hi, Mark. Your tale in episode 164 about creating a database the hard way in your early programming days rings so true with me. When I started out in software development in the mid-80s, I was offered very basic training by my company and then expected to learn everything else I needed to know on the job. I was sent on a week-long course in Fortran, and that was it. Sure, I did learn a lot on the job, but some things I did along the way make me cringe, or at least they did at the time. I knew nothing about indexes, uh, indexed files, databases, or very much else for that matter. However, in looking for solutions to problems, I learned all sorts of tricks that that my better trained colleagues didn't know. Because they'd never had the need for them. I ended up showing them how to do things which they thought weren't possible with lim- the limited tools they had. In some ways, I envy the way new developers can start developing complex functionality so quickly nowadays. But on the other hand, while my early functionality, <coughs> excuse me, my early efforts uh, often made me look like an idiot in the eyes of my peers, I suspect I ended up being a better programmer than I might otherwise have been. Regards. Night. And I totally, I get that. There's the, yep. the um, I was known for a long time as the guy who could do stuff other people said couldn't be done. And the reason was, I didn't know you weren't supposed to be able to do it. I had a problem. I had a set of tools. I figured out how to solve it. Whereas a quote unquote, well-trained person will look at the problem, look at the set of tools and say, can't be done and stop right there. Yep. so I think it does benefit you. I mean you get, sometimes you have to unlearn what you learned in school. and sometimes school is good for breaking the bad habits you learned before you got there. I think there's a we need a balance of both, but the the journeyman way of doing things, the, the um, apprenticeship model that we had in this country, well, before it was a country that we had in the world for for so many uh, centuries. Um, has gone away, and we we no longer have apprentices anymore. At best, we get interns. And I agree. I think we've lost something there.
1: I totally agree agree. because a lot of times you learn – by doing and you, you attempt stuff because you didn't know it's not possible. And maybe you can't reach that top thing because it truly is impossible, but you can get so much closer than anyone else ever did. You know, when I was learning in technology, everybody said, Oh, just, you know, just format reinstall the OS. But instead I chose the hard way of trying to fix what was there, and then I became known as the guy, oh, you know, this this machine is hosed, you just have to reinstall. Oh, give it to that guy, he might be able to fix it. And so, you know, but did I waste a lot of time? Yes, I wasted a lot of time technically, but that wasting taught me things that other people didn't know because the easiest way to fix it is simply just start over. Right. So there's a lot yep. to be said for learning things the hard way. You don't know that something is impossible that's not really impossible. That's just what everybody's been told.
0: Some of my best learning came at uh, midnight the night before a paper was due when I had accidentally hosed my machine and the labs were closed and I didn't have any other way to type my paper. Uh, so I had to fix it. Yeah, You know, those those kids today <laughs> are missing <laughs> that step. Uh, yes, they can get started a lot quicker, um, but they don't know. You know, it's it's the thing that horror uh, disaster movies like to to make fun of. Nobody actually knows how our stuff works anymore. The right. you know the zombie apocalypse, apocalypse, the the electromagnetic pulse, the whatever. Um, nobody knows how to 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 make a basic two-stroke engine anymore. I mean, there is a very small subset of of the population who knows how to do that. Uh, we all know how to, to crank our 12-cylinder engine, not really, six-cylinder, drive it to the gas <laughs> right. station and put gas in it. But we don't know how it works.
1: Um, Try to make some gas.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. Take a uh, lot I'm, of bees to power
1: also- that car. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say,
2: I'm, an, I'm also with you guys. I'm another one of the hard knocks learners. Um, I don't know how many times I you know, failed a paper because I – Experimented with my computer a little too much the day before, or you know, insert yeah, and I, horrible I, 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 story when that here. Happened to
0: me, I figured I was dumb enough I deserved to fail. In yep. that situation.
2: <laughs> that, that's the way it works. You know, if you're silly enough not to have backups and you go playing and you blow something up, yeah, you're you're stuck. Yeah. So yeah,
0: okay. the the What what's interesting is is we're moving along so far that you can't go back to the basics every time. As things improve, you got to start somewhere, right? And to have a kid learn basic transistors before he starts programming is just ridiculous today. Basic transistors are solved now. You can run down to Radio Shack
1: if you can still find one uh, and pick (laughs) one up. It's called Amazon. You can can order one from (laughs) com slash Amazon if you need a basic transistor.
0: So there's... It's just uh, an artifact of advancement. At some point, you can't go back and learn the basics. You have to learn where things are. And and like Nide says, people can get up and running so much faster. I mean, literally with the press of a button, you can have a LAMP stack in the cloud on Amazon servers ready to go. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to build a server. You don't have to choose an OS. You don't have to do anything. You're just ready to go. Yeah, it's a Um, push-button society. And that's amazing. But... It also means that, that a lot of programmers don't understand the stuff their code is running on.
2: Yep. Yep. Where are the Steve Gibsons of the world? We yeah. need more basic pl- programmers. Well, there is or one. Machine, and, la- machine language.
0: And he it takes him years to crank out a piece of software,
2: you know, so. Uh, that's the, because gotta- he gets sidetracked. <laughs> Just like everybody else. <laughs> right. All right.
0: Moving on to the next bit of listener feedback. At this rate, it'll be a seven-hour show, and we won't get through them all. Gordon comments (laughs) on phishing Apple users. Hey, guys! Just listened to your discussion about Apple. how Apple is now the top of the list in phishing targets. I have a minor suggestion, though, for your theory of why. I don't think it means that Apple is necessarily the largest haven of people who are idiots or stupid or uneducated. I think we need to give the scammers a bit more credit in their target selection. Perhaps a better explanation is that Apple customers is where you Apple customers is where you will find people who are gullible and willing to part ways with their money. After all, Apple was made a target, a killing targeting their advertising at specific market at that specific marketing demographic. And it would be a far more lucrative one than just going after unintelligent idiots. Just a thought. Keep up the great shows. Gordon of Warwick, New York. Um, I apologize for my reading skills. tonight. Apparently, I need to go back to first grade. (laughs) so there you go it's not that apple users are dumb it's just that they they have money and they're willing to give it away
2: can i yeah yeah i can't it's it's yeah
1: (laughs) seth will (laughs) argue with it go ahead seth you know i mean i do want to get on to gordon for you know throwing a little too much reason and uncommon sense into our (laughs) debate but you know he does mention the gullible nature of the uh apple gerbils or sheeple or whatever you want to call them so I'll give him props for that. All
0: right. And next up, uh, William says he knows how to chow down on Chow Chow. Hi, guys. I just wanted to say Chow Chow was indeed a thing in Central Texas. My great-grandmother made it every year in the 50s. This was in Williamson County near Austin. Uh, She was a third-generation Texan. Her family did come from Tennessee originally, I believe. I love the show. (laughs) Thanks, William. So uh, there you go. Chow Chow, we said we didn't think it was a Texas thing, so maybe a central Texas thing, or at least if you're from
1: Tennessee. There you go. well because you know, most Texans aren't originally from Texas. So. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> well, that's,
0: that central area there, um, central Texas area, is very German, right? Very German. And as I commented on, the Chow Chow that I tried was cabbage-based, a very yeah. popular a pickling of cabbage is a very German thing, so the pieces all sort of fit together
2: there. It does. It's almost kind of, kind of crazy.
0: So the Chow Chow Watch continues. Chow Chow Watch 2014.
1: <laughs> See, it's weird though, because I can trace back to a castle in Germany, but I don't know Chow Chow. So weird. So
0: the Anderson clan is from Germany?
1: Well, um, not the Andersons, but on my mom's side. Ah, it goes, and they they come through Central Texas, and you know there's a castle in Germany, and I actually found it online, so uh, I showed it to my mom, May or Day, um, but yeah,
0: yeah. If it was on the internet, the internet, it has to be true. Definitely. It does. All right, next up, GP warns about leaving your camera unattended. Uh You said to reach out in EDL 166 so I'm reaching out. Thanks for providing amusing entertainment. Uh, there was a mention of well unattended phones reminded me of a military deployment back in 1997, back when you still had cameras that used actual film that required developing. Soldiers would often send undeveloped film home to the family and loved ones to develop. There was an unwritten knowledge that you should never leave your camera laying around unsecured. Well, a captain left his camera in a helicopter. Bunch of soldiers took various shots of their privates. And I don't think he means rank. Uh, The captain did send the film home to his wife to develop. Whoops. Anyway, have a great day, GP.
1: Uh, Oops.
2: You know, I remember those days. I've developed a couple of what the moments when I opened up the film packet. I don't think that's a finger. (laughs) I won't go any farther on that subject. Let's just say. I I think I
0: probably still have some rolls of film undeveloped because that's that's what we do with our digital cameras too we take the pictures and never look at them again um and i you know i would take pictures with my with my uh what was the thing the oh i can't remember it it was a fancy uh method that kodak had with a self-loading cartridge that uh did and it was a fancy name for it are you talking about polaroid no no it was a it was a it was a regular 35-millimeter, but it was a self-loading cartridge that you pop in and hit a button, and it auto-advances, and you didn't have to wind oh. it and snap or anything like that. Yeah, um, I know what you're
2: talking about. Um. And Um They had a
0: proprietary name for it. My wife and I thought we were big and bad because we bought one of those. It was top of the line at the time. Yeah. Um, and the cartridges cost three times more than regular film cartridges because, you know, we were yuppies, and that's what you did. You bought the expensive <laughs> stuff, even if it was no better. Right. Um, but we have we took rolls and rolls and rolls of that that just stayed got dropped in a drawer and stayed there and probably uh, there's still some there that have never been developed.
2: Yeah, mm. I got quite a few of those too.
0: Now, however, things are completely different. I snap a picture, it goes up to Google Plus and stays there, and nobody ever looks at it except the NSA.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, because you know they got to back everything
1: up for you. Right. Yeah, the world's a better place because of it. Let me tell you. <laughs>
0: Uh, Next up, uh, Greg asks about home theater systems. Um, So we have uh, a couple of things back-to-back here about home theater. Hey, guys. I was listening to the feedback show, and your talk about home theaters piqued my interest. I've been listening for quite a while, and you've talked about your home theater several times. I don't remember you guys spelling out in detail how you have have things set up. I have a spare Raspberry Pi laying around and thought it would be a great use for it. I'm not sure how to get things set up. Thanks, Greg. So, I, I don't know. I think we did a, a home theater show like episode 70. I mean, way, way back there. Um, yeah. But, you know, you're right. We have talked about it off and on. So, I thought I would give just a little um, primer of how I have things set up. So, I've, I have I told you this summer that I installed a couple of Raspberry Pis. Um, prior to that, I had a Windows a NetTop box uh, running an old Ion processor. Um and honestly, I'm going to tell you the truth, if I had it to do all over again, I would probably just do a Roku stick or the <gasps> new Fire, T- Fire Stick that Amazon's doing or or Chromecast. Chromecast less so. Chromecast is you can't really do anything with it without another device. But like a Roku, those things are self, self-contained. However, what I have in my system right now are two Raspberry Pis running the Rasp BMC software. Uh, I bought uh, the whole kit from elementopi.com/Amazon. The Raspberry Pi, the case, the power supply, the preloaded RAS BMC um, uh, memory stick, uh, the HD uh, HDMI car uh, cord. What else am I forgetting? I think. Oh, and the Wi the Wi Fi uh, plug in and a, a little keyboard keyboard mouse combo uh, that's uh, RF. Uh, the whole kit was under 100 bucks and so I, I bought bad. it I yeah and I had I have a, a couple of hard drives that I have plugged in directly to it that I have my media ripped onto uh, and so Raspberry Pi downstairs is hardwired it's not wire wireless it's connected uh, by the the 100 meg uh, connection on the Raspberry Pi Raspberry Pi upstairs has the little um, EDIMAX, E-D-I-M-A-X, I remember that name. Uh, it was an $8 Wi-Fi chip, uh, USB, that I popped into it. And they share, it shares the library via UPnP. So I update one, li- the library downstairs, the one upstairs gets it automatically. Uh, and the beauty of that is I can start watching a movie downstairs, pause it, go upstairs, and when I hit play, it'll resume from where the other one does because they're sharing the same library. There you go. So the Raspberry uh, uh, Pi... HDMI cable down, uh, both uh, upstairs and downstairs. I have a a surround sound decoder. Uh, Upstairs, it's just a cheap little bookshelf unit, combination DVD, five point one surround sound. I think I literally paid fifty or hundred bucks for it. wasn't much at all. Um, And so that's that's my rig. Uh, So everything goes in the Raspberry Pi. It uh, it stumbles on true high def content Uh, when you go ten eighty p. Uh, it'll stutter a little bit, 720p, it's fine. That could be the cheap cables. You know, the Monster Cable guys will tell me if I buy their $1,000 cable, uh, it'll work better. Um, I think it's probably <laughs> the uh, the hard drive connection more than anything else. I don't think it's actually the Pi's inability to do it. I think it's the inability to move that much data that quickly over a USB uh, 2.0 connection. Uh, I, that's my guess is what the, why it stutters. But for for everything else, it works fine. I have a Plex plugin, uh, a Plex server, rather, uh, on another computer on a, on because uh, I needed more beef than the Raspberry Pi could handle. It reaches out also via UPnP, grabs the same library off the XBMC or the M C box, and serves that up to our tablets and my phone when I'm out and web interface and that sort of stuff over the Internet. Uh, all of that together, you know, I paid... I think I, I bought the, the lifetime subscription to Plex for, I think it was a hundred bucks. Totally worth it. Um, and uh, that's that's my that's my setup. Uh, I rip everything. As soon as I get a DVD, I rip it. I put it on the, the hard drive. Right now I'm up to a terabyte and a half or so of data, about 300 movies and another 200-ish TV episodes, and I've got room to spare. Uh, so that's... That's what I've got. Chris, what about you?
2: Um, I'm fairly similar to that. Uh, but my, my house is all, uh, Roku units. Um, I put a Roku in every, on every TV in the house just for the simplicity of things. Um, I'm playing with the Chromecast because I found a super cheap pr- sale on it. And I think what I'm going to end up using that for is when I go to people's houses and we want to watch something off of my collection. Because it's or, it's tied through my phone, so then I just plug it in and it's done. Uh, but other than that, everything goes through, um, a, uh, a little access. I have my PFSense router that does all the, the switching for everything. And it's going over, uh, 802.11n to everything. But, uh, I'm finding out that the Roku units kind of choke on, uh, anything that's over 720. And I'm thinking that's more bandwidth. To the units than anything else because if they're hard lined, they work brilliantly. So um, I'm actually debating on running cable down to all the Roku units because they just work better.
0: Copper will be wireless, wire radio any day.
2: Oh yeah, well I and I understand that, and th- this was never a permanent solution when I put right. these into place. They were. I wonder if this will work. It's only what did I end up spending on the three Roku's? I think I ended up spending. Uh, what, $190 for all three of them? Um, so for 190 bucks, I got to try three Roku units and they all can stream at the same time. Uh, I, I'm not having any issues with Netflix or Plex, you know, coming off of my little server. Uh, the only thing I did find out though is I'm not sure where my choke point is if I have the Plex server running on one machine but the library in the other. Uh, streaming just doesn't is not happy at all. So uh currently all the media is on one machine with the server itself, uh, and that will probably be changing here as soon as I can squirrel away enough money to upgrade my NAS box.
0: Yeah, so I went with a um I want an appliance type interface. Yep. Uh and I, I literally at this point can hand my universal Logitech Harmony remote. It's worth the money, people. Just buy one. um to my six-year-old and she she knows what to do with it she she swipes swipes the screen away because it's a touch screen she pushes the watch a movie button uh things flicker and blink and all the inputs go right it comes up to the uh uh rasp bmc interface she arrows down to the movie she wants she clicks the play button and it goes um, you don't have to spend that much money to have because in order to do that, you have to have a, uh, an infrared sensor as well, <clears throat> and then you got to be able to program your remote with uh, to match the infrared sensor that that you can. I bought it's called China Vision. You can pick one up for literally this is not an exaggeration four dollars on Amazon. Um, wow, and uh, free shipping. I mean, it it takes six weeks because it ships out of Shenzhen, China, and that four dollars is their year salary. Uh, but it, <laughs> but you can pick one up, uh, for, if you want one from the States, uh, I think you can, if you're a prime customer, you can pay maybe $12 and get one the next day. Um, uh, but so that's, I have those up both upstairs and downstairs and I have uh harmony remotes, both upstairs and downstairs. As I bought a new one, I moved the old one upstairs, that kind of thing. But I also, there are times when you got to have a keyboard to interface with it, um, when when it guesses a movie wrong, when you need to type something in, uh, you can browse the web on them. It's poor, but you can do it. Uh, so I bought little, it's a little, I'm holding my fingers up, not that you can see it on the stream, a six inch at the most little keyboard with a, a touchpad in the middle of it. Um, and that was $20. Bucks. Uh, and again, you can find them on Amazon. Uh, I don't remember the brand name. <clears throat> but that's when I keep that in a drawer. Next to the couch, and when I when Daddy needs to do something, he pulls out the little keyboard and mouse, clickety clickety clickety. But for the most part, it's all just remote, and it works perfectly. And uh, with the Roku stick, uh, you know, again, it comes with its own remote, so you got your TV remote and your you know cable box remote or whatever, and the Roku remote. I didn't want I I, I wanted to not have the babysitter problem, uh, right? Where, where you have to have a document that explains how okay. the babysitter can watch TV. Right. And I've been there. Years ago I was there. Um, yep. I had to, I had a document that I would put under the TV uh, or under the remote. Uh, remotes, portal. And the Harmony remote solves all of that. And it's just it's it just does everything. So that's the interface I was going for. And I've got the 5.1 surround sound because I'm into it. You don't have to be. If you're just in a college dorm room, stick a Roku stick on that thing and be done with it. If you've got you know, a spare Raspberry Pi laying around like Greg does. Uh, C is great. Uh, Plex has a, a Raspberry uh, version. I would probably go with that if I were to do it again. I just didn't know they had that before I, I set up the C setup. So that would be my recommendation today. Uh, get a Roku stick and stick Plex on it or get a R- Raspberry Pi if you want a more DIY thing and use the Plex server on it because uh, I think Plex is doing it best right now. Uh, in the in the industry.
2: yeah, yeah, they're they're killing it right now. They're um, every time somebody sees my Plex system, when they actually you know touch it and play with it, they're like, "I want to do this for everything." I don't want you know any of the other solutions. This is everybody asks how to do it. So um, Plex, I think, is the the way to go. And you know, give the guy some money. He, he's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dave Jones I, in the chat room says he ran into the same. Problem with his Roku and the Roku Three, and ended up hard wiring it to fix it. So yep. that you know, when you're streaming 1080p over Wi Fi, that's fine if that's the only thing you're doing. But if you have anything else on your network, you're gonna start taxing it.
2: Well, yep. and like I said, though, when when I'm streaming, you know, all three Roku's can be streaming at once. But when we fire up one of the the Blu Ray rips, that's when we've we, it's pretty much forget about it. If they're okay. DVD rips, they're fine.
0: And and in my opinion a a, DV, a Blu-ray rip is not significantly better than a DVD rip. No. Uh my you know all devices today upsample. So my 480p upsamples to 1080p and yes there are artifacts and yes if I were a hardcore purist I wouldn't live with that, but I'm not a hardcore purist. I also don't have the perfect ambient lighting and I there's fingerprints on my TV screen where the kids walked up <laughs> with with smudgy hands. I mean I'm not going for a perfect environment. So for me uh, a DVD rip is fine, um, and it up upsam- yep. upsamples it, and it's great. So I don't even, I don't buy Blu-rays. There's just no point. Um, I buy DVDs, and I'm happy with them.
2: See, we usually buy the Blu-ray DVD combo pack, and then uh, we have both ways, so that way when we do, when the kids are a little more less touchy to the TV, yeah. and I could actually afford, you know, maybe then spend the money on the home theater system, uh, I'll think about moving up, into that super high def and have all of that media ready to be pushed to that great new TV or whatever it may be.
0: And I started this journey 15 years ago and I'm I'm old school in that way. I came from the world of components where you spent an entire paycheck on, on an amp uh, and an AV yep, receiver.
2: On a single then, piece of device. And you didn't
0: do anything else. And then you spent an entire paycheck or two or three on the TV. My first... HDTV was a thirty-two inch, and I paid nineteen hundred dollars for it, and that wow. was a great deal. I mean, it was like fifty percent off sale, and, and I that's paid nineteen hundred for it. Uh, that was a long time ago, though. Now you can, yeah, you can walk down the aisle at Walmart, tuck one under your arm. You know, when I bought mine, I had to go through three levels of security: fingerprint, retina scan, and DNA sample to be able to get them to unlock the thing and bring it out of the vault in the back. Now yep. they're just stacked up. And you just grab one by the plastic handle and walk away with it, a 52-incher. It's amazing how things have changed.
2: It's amazing and kind of scary all at the same time.
0: Uh, okay, I think we've given that enough time. Roy, on the same subject, says you can rip DVDs with Handbrake on Windows. Hi, guys. First, started listening to EDL around episode 100. It's become my favorite podcast and the only one I've taken time to listen to the entire back catalog.
2: Wow. I'm yeah. sorry.
0: <laughs> Mark, like you, I use Handbrake to rip my DVDs. I usually use Linux, but like you have said, when on Windows, I've always ripped DVD using DVD Fab, then run it through Handbrake. It's always bothered me since it took twice as long per movie. Recently, I've come across this article on Lifehacker that says that live DVD CSS can be downloaded on Windows uh cutting out the extra step of DVD fab. And there's the link to it that we'll post in the notes. I've not tried it since I don't have windows installed on my computer, but I thought it be, be, might be helpful for those that are ripping their DVDs in windows. That would be great. I, you know, I didn't know you could do that, but yep. it makes sense to me because it, DVD uh, or handbrake used to be able to do that. And when the feds gave him some pressure, the developer of it pulled that function out. It makes sense to me that all he would remove is the DLL and he'd leave all the hooks there. So if you get the DLL, you name it the right thing, you put it in the right place and boom, it's going to work. So,
2: but great. I will, I tried. I saw that same article and I thought, well, heck, I got a buddy of mine who's trying to do this. We'll, we'll play this game. Um, you run into the same problem that you do in any other version, um, if you're not using any of the commercial level, uh, unencryptors, so to speak, um, where you'll run into a couple of DVDs where they just don't flat out work. You just can't yeah. rip them. Uh, and the only which way is, I found you know, around which them... Which is
0: true with Handbrake on Linux as well. Yep. So that's a, that's a limitation of the live DVD, uh, live DVD CSS library.
2: Exactly. It is. And the only way I found around it is, um, I ended up doing a VM. Of Windows with um what is it? Any DVD?
0: Yeah, any DVD yep. is a good one. Any DVD. DVD
2: Fab. Yeah. Well, I paid for the lifetime version of Any DVD HD, so I could do Blu-ray and DVDs. So that's the way I ended up working around on the ones that just do, will not flat out rip in in Linux. I throw it in in into my my virtual machine and do it that way. It slows it way down. Yeah. But I'm
0: guaranteed to have it then. Carb M1 on the in the chat room says he uses the live DVD CSS version uh on handbrake on Windows and it works. So that's good that's good news. Um but like Chris, I'm at a point now where the only time I find one that can't work with handbrake is not going to work with handbrake anywhere. Yep. So that's when I go to my Windows box and, and bust out DVD fab. Um any DVD is good, I've used it. I, I just fell on D V D fab because I like the interface better. Um, and, uh, and it's always free for ripping. Yeah. It's got a bunch of other features that you have to pay for, but the basic DVD decryption is always free on DVD fab. Uh, so what I do is I rip it to an ISO and then I feed that ISO to handbrake. Yeah, Um, and it's, uh, it's an extra step. It takes longer, but for the latest, uh, Marvel's movies all on Disney, uh, or probably, you know, the when the the Transformers movies, whatever, those the new blockbusters come out tend to be the ones. And yep. uh, and they just don't work, or they'll it'll get five minutes in and stop and think it's done. Um, and that's just because it's using a more advanced decryption. And, of course, I can't do anything HD because uh, yep. DVD decryptor HD isn't free. So there
2: you go. Yeah, and then the other thing I found out is that there are some that use... Um, Actually, it was a couple of really old ones that I found that I just could not rip. Period. Because they're using that weird uh copy protection where it would redirect the head the la- the laser lens to a different part of the track in the in line. So like you you'll be oh. if you Yeah, it was really weird. It, it was I've only seen two of them that are like this and they're really old. And they would just sit there. They would you would Watch the video. It would finish like it was supposed to, but when you watched it back, it would jump in time all over the place. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's. So, a, I have found that as well. You know, I, I always test them, and sometimes you'll get that. You'll you'll start at minute one, and then jump to minute 50, and then go to minute yep. 17, and then the minute 63. Yeah. Yeah, Is are you it, bored yet?
1: Uh, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a TV in Dish Network. So, <laughs> YouTube some videos occasionally when my bandwidth is extremely generous.
0: All right, so that's it. That's uh, enough about uh, Wind uh, Home Theater Weekly. Uh, good, good stuff there. Thanks for the feedback, uh, and and this was nowhere near all the feedback I have in the in the mailbag. I love that, so that we'll get more uh, good uh, feedback sections to come in the future but for now it's time to pay some bills by talking about the linux academy.com um i don't just do it because they pay the bills but that's certainly a good reason to Uh, LinuxAcademy.com is a place designed to take you from being a guy who knows some stuff about computers to being a guy who knows how to be a linux administrator and as we've done we've done tons of news stories in the past about this Linux is where the the market is heading right now it's it's good to be a Linux admin in today's hiring market uh, and you can if you're if you're a a baker or a candlestick maker or a butcher and you want to move uh, to the Linux admin you can't go to a better place than linuxacademy.com where you start with their step-by-step video courses uh, and and not just the video, but you got the PDF study guides. you got the amazing lab platform where you can have up to four machines running at one time, interacting with each other live on the web, uh, with, with logical host names. Uh, you get, uh, uh, the practice quizzes, you get a lesson browser that tracks everything. You can do things a la carte and it'll pick up track where you, where you want to go. Uh, or you can use their, their courses and, and, uh, which is really the way to go. It's a start-to-finish sort of thing to go. And right now they've got two new courses that you just rolled out. One is Deploy and Manage OpenStack on Ubuntu Icehouse. It's 100% complete and ready to go. And they've also launched a Git and Lab, start-to-finish. Wow. So if you want to know more about Git... Um, you got it right there. So it's more than just Linux. They're branching out uh, along the other stuff. And their latest uh, feature that I just think is so amazing is the learning Plans feature. It allows users to set your own daily availability and based on what you've set, it'll create a study plan for you. Learning plans will give you lessons and quizzes and labs. They'll tell you what to do on what day. And it'll even send you email reminders that you have items due. And then based on your availability, it'll give you a projected completion date of the course and even some extra time included for studying. So it's like a a custom course syllabus based on when you're available. Uh, And again, their content has been independently certified by third parties as high-quality content. They've partnered with the Comptia guys uh, for Linux Plus and the and the uh, LPIC, the Linux uh, Professional Institute, uh, the, their guys. So th- both these people have certified Linux Academy as places to go, um, and now they're doing all the the great uh, uh, Amazon Web stuff and 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 all the Open um, Stack stuff. It's just growing all the time, and you're going to get this amazing stuff for twenty five bucks a month. That's the most you can pay for a monthly subscription. So give them $25. Poke around at it for a day. See if you like it. Or not a day, for a month. Look at it. See see if you like it. And I know you're going to. I'm confident in that. Then once you're con- con- convinced and you don't want to keep paying $25 a month, you can buy a quarter, three months at a time. Knocks it down to 20 bucks. If you really want to take the plunge and buy annually, $199, which is less than $17 a month. You cannot find this quality of learning at this price anywhere on the internet. I stand by that statement. You're just not going to do it. You can find content for less. You can find maybe better content, but you will not find this quality of content at this price. And when you go, use the code EverydayLinux in the sign-up box to let them know that we sent you.
1: It's well worth it. <laughs>
2: okay. I, I, there's nothing else to say. You, you covered it all. They have a great read. They have a great copy because it covers everything and The only thing I can say is it's command line approved.
0: (laughs) Yes. So it's command line approved, and Seth, the biggest cheapskate I know, including myself, (laughs) pays them for it. So there you go.
1: Um, And 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 one of the great things about them, and I can't say they'll always do this, but if you're at a price, whenever they've raised their prices, they keep you grandfathered in at the price you joined at. So... Yeah, cool. I don't know that they'll always do that, but they've done that so far. Well, more even than good they... content,
0: they're good people. Yeah. And and that that makes me makes my heart feel good every time they write me a check.
2: Did <laughs> uh did we ever get anything from uh oh, what was her name? About doing a Linux Jen. Yeah, Jen, for doing a, a Linux one?
0: The things are happening behind the scenes. There's nothing to report yet.
2: We but, can just say yes. there's it's it's happening. That's all yes. I wanted to know. I just wanted to make sure it was going to happen because I think that's yes. going to be awesome.
0: So the the idea, Jen Wick-Huger, who was on a few weeks ago, uh, is an open source writer who wants to be a Linux geek. And so I said on the show, you know what? This would be a natural fit for Linux Academy. So I put the two of them together, and uh, we're working some stuff out, and we will surely have some feedback about that in the near future. Cool. Uh, and I told her to be brutally honest. If she hates it, I want to know that she hates it. Um, if she loves it, I want to know that too. All right. On to the news of the weeks. Week. Weeks, really, because this is some stuff from last week that we didn't get in there. Starting with quantum computing.
1: Yes, um... You know, of course, the, the, the promise of quantum computing is like instantaneous answers to impossibly complex questions. But there was a historic first that happened in the realm of quantum computing. Uh, quantum software has, I was actually ran for the first time. And this story came out last week, October the 23rd. Um, just the first bit, the first piece of software to show the potential of quantum computing has finally been run on a will. Wheel- a real machine some twenty years after it was dreamed up. And it's called um Shore's algorithm. And it doesn't really do much, but it just kind of shows the possibility of um what quantum computing can do. And quantum computing is a you know, the software has to be written in a way to take advantage of it for you to get the real speed boost of it. Um, but you can go through here and they show how it was able to be run and it gets really too technical for me to talk about just simply because i kind of understand it but not enough to go into it in detail but it's a historic first for quantum computing yay uh the nsa That's is probably cool. happy because it'll make a uh, crypto a lot harder
0: yeah so these <laughs> machines right now are difficult and buggy and <laughs> short-lived they they sort of evaporate into smoke after a little while uh but uh You know, I think most people think they're the future. They may be the distant future. I think there will be another immediate step. We'll move from our transistors to something else before we get to quantum computer. But uh, who knows? It'll be cool when it happens. I've been wrong more than once even today. (laughs) Uh, So, (laughs) you know, voter fraud, it's the election day is uh, this week. And uh, we're always concerned about voter fraud. So now you don't have to buy votes. You can just
1: program them. Yes, uh, this story comes out of Chicago and um this guy went to vote and he realized every time he marked a thing for a Republican that also a, a vote would be counted for the Democrat as well. And uh he took it to the attention of like the election judge, and like they did something to let it go through the way he wanted to but and don't get started on the whole liberal versus conservative. that's all the Democrats do it. I don't want to hear that crap because both sides are probably doing it. Just this is one where the machine malfunctions because of course, I know nobody would cheat, but the machine was malfunctioning in the Democrats' favor um and it was just you know as we go more and more to um you know, electronic voting. The way this machine is set up, and if this is the way electronic voting works, I'm happy because it prints out a paper copy. And you know, you just need to look at that paper copy and make sure that what you wanted is what actually made it on the paper. So it's just one of those things you gotta beware um what you're doing.
0: Yeah, every time I've ever voted electronic, that's how it went. You uh you voted and it registered your vote and then it printed out and then you put your printout in a in a locked box. Right. And so at the end of the night when they're tabulating votes, the machine tells them one thing and then the humans count the other and they've got to match up. Uh so that that's good. But if you're not paying attention and the machine votes a way that you don't intend to vote, the paper doesn't help. So you right. there's still you gotta have that human element. And I've said this many times before, and any, any uh, computers make things more efficient. They also make cheating more efficient. Uh so I don't think electronic voting is a bad thing, but I think you've just gotta you gotta be better than the guys who wanna cheat. And uh and I think internet voting will always be a terrible idea. Definitely. Yeah. I know uh, I think it was California experimented with that and didn't even didn't even get out of the, the experimental stage and they realized oh this was this was bad. Um so I don't think we can ever I mean we can't secure bank websites or even simple browsers how could we ever trust that to electing leaders
1: it's just a scary thought though isn't it yeah. talk about i i mean a man in the middle attack would be awesome for if, if you <laughs> yeah. were doing voter fraud you know all you have to do is change one every 10 votes and in then yeah. an, uh you know or yeah. one every hundred votes and in an election where you know it's 5149 that can swing it the other way. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a scary thing. So, uh, you know, but then again, driving to work every day is a scary thing because right. the only <laughs> thing that separates you from a car doing a hundred miles an hour are these two yellow lines. <laughs> and yes. you know, here's, and this is just a pet peeve of mine. I'll pull over on the shoulder and let somebody pass me. They will still go over into the oncoming lane of traffic to go around me it's like why can't you stay in your lane Um. anyway <laughs> uh, because somehow you know a yellow line will pass within two inches of a car coming straight at us but if i'm going to pass a car i got to move halfway across the road because you know i don't know i guess they couldn't see over what they were texting because they were holding it off to the right <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. so yeah, just Seth be careful.
0: bringing the rant this week. That he is. I was hey, say, spent like
1: man. four years talking about theaters. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to talk. I was going to say, it
2: sounds an awful lot like the uh, defensive driving class I just got done taking. So yeah, preach on, preacher man. <laughs> you know,
0: I've I've often said of computers that the more I know about them, the more I'm amazed that they work at all, yeah, uh, right. own, that, they, that they break. I feel the same way about traffic. The more I'm in traffic, the more I'm amazed that it works at all. It's you know, there's 14,000 people on a five mile stretch of road doing 70 plus miles an hour. It's just a it's a billion or more, a, a quadrillion things going right, and only oh, one of those things has to yeah. go wrong. Um, yeah,
1: and you know how you can tell when somebody gets a text message, they'll go from going 75 down to 55. Because they take their foot off the gas as they reach for their phone, and then you yep. have to swerve so you don't hit them. And that's what causes wrecks and traffic jams. Yeah, I'm just saying, people. <laughs> Put
0: the phone down and drive. Of course, I, I'm just as bad. I don't text and drive often. I have been known to do it, but I do switch podcasts and drive. When one ends, I'll switch to another one, and that's distracted driving just as much as anything else. Yep. Or I'll I'll reach down and grab a french fry. Um, And, you know, in driving should be the thing that you do, not something you do while you're doing something else. Definitely. All right. Next news story. Quick. Let's get off of traffic before Seth's head explodes. Um, <laughs>
2: of course, that might be fun, too, because we don't have to clean it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you ever see that scene in Scanners where the dude's head explodes? Yes. Uh, so... Um, hotels. uh, uh, what is your, your title doesn't fit the description. So I'm just going to read the title. All routes are not created equal. Oh, are we skipping the
1: keep your overpriced OS? Oh, did I? Yeah, but no, we can yeah, do the, one. okay. All routes all right, we'll are not, we'll come back to it. Okay. All routes are not created equal. Um, we've talked about this story in the past, but there was a, um, this, a study released by Northeastern university proved that booking sites, Depending on how you um search for a fair, uh what website you're coming through or even your browser or computer type, you won't be you won't be presented the same price for the exact same room um as if you were using some other ways to get there. Um, you know, and again, we've talked about this before, how, um, some companies were like, if you had an Apple computer, they charged you, they showed you more money. Um, but, you know, and the thing was like orbits as well as, um, cheat tickets, uh, you know, you go there and, if you go there uh, one way, you know, you clicked on a link over here, it was only like, say, $100 a room. But if you search for it another way, it was $120 a room for the exact same thing. So your browsing habits, um, as well as, you know, like what sites you're a member of, can affect how much... Can affect prices online, and as advertising gets more targeted towards you, it'll probably only because if you're going to go there anyway, why not? Why don't they get a little extra money out of you?
0: Yeah, I've seen this in my own experience. Uh, absolutely, that where the same hotel would be quoted different prices, not on different sites, but on the very same site.
1: Yeah, I've seen it happen. And yeah, yeah and so, you know, there's been an- anecdotal evidence before, but, um, this was a study by Northeastern University that, um, put this out and they found it, you know, as well. So, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a certain, you know, they'll come out with a list. You know, if you like these four pages on Facebook and then use Safari with cookies enabled, you know, you can save 10 bucks versus just going there in Firefox, right. you know.
0: One of, one of my things that I've taken to doing is at least one of my searches is in a, a Chrome or Firefox private browsing window right um where they don't get any data about me and almost always that price is the highest it may not it may be exactly the same but if there's any variation it's the highest though the more they uh-huh. can get a the more information they have about me the lower it'll be in, in my experience and huh. and it's usually um 5% or less difference uh but you know there is a difference there that's interesting yeah most of the time and i don't want to to, to make Misrepresent it and say it all the time. Most of the time, it's exactly the same. But the couple of times I've seen it different, the the less information method cost me more.
2: Huh. I'll have to try that the next time I look at booking a a room or a flight.
0: Because everything I do, I game it. <laughs> I just want to find the most efficient and the most effective ways to do everything I do. And so I turn I turn everything into experiment. My kids get mad at me because I turn everything into an experiment.
1: Um, (laughs) you know, well, here's the question. If they're giving it to you for $12 less because you're logged in, how much are they making off of that information? So that you've figured figure they're making at least 13 or $14 because they're not going to reward you, um, just out of the goodness of their hearts. They're what they've done is they have broke their income into multiple income streams. We get so much from them and then we build this data that we can Uh aggregate out to the advertisers for our sites so yeah you know just you see moo as you pass through the doors yeah you decoded
2: it they're gonna there's gonna be some black men in hoods coming to find you seth <laughs> yes but see the look out my house and i'm not there
0: Um, <laughs> uh, okay uh have you ever been miffed as a an open source lover that you can't buy a machine Without Windows on it, unless you pay a premium for it? Yes. Uh, Dell will actually charge you money to sell you a machine without Windows on it. Well, uh, the Italian Supreme Court has said no more.
1: Yes, they right. um, they issued a judgment that bans the so-called Microsoft tax. So basically, if you buy a computer and you don't agree to the end user license agreement for the software on it, you can get a refund for the amount of that software. So I think this is pretty cool. Um, that
0: it's going to be pennies. They're going, this, what I think this is going to show is how drastically, um, Microsoft cuts prices for these people. They're going to say, fine, we'll refund you the difference and it's going to be 38 cents per license. Right. Something like that.
1: Yeah. It's not going to be a whole lot. And you know, and this is, What's weird is like, what about all the crapware that gets bundled in that they get paid to bundle in as well? You know, are you going to get a refund for that as well? Or is it just going to be for the OS? But I think it's pretty cool. Um, and again, this is just, this is reported on the Free Software Foundation's, uh, blog. Uh, and it's just a, ta- um, the Italian Supreme Court. So, you know, it's not worldwide reaching here, but maybe it's just the first of many um yeah. places where this will happen
0: maybe this is the first of many as well how dumb do you have to be to pocket dial 9 one while you're breaking into a house
1: yeah. Now, just to let you know, um, there's a video that plays on this website. So, you know, turn your speakers down or just, you know, don't be having them cranked up or you're <laughs> listening to something. So anyway, I just wanted to let you know that. But yeah, these two people were arrested in Roswell, New Mexico, because somehow, you know, a part of me just wants to cry BS on here, because I don't know how you pocket yeah. dial 911. Um, but I suppose this bo- I just think, you know, if we were still doing the periodic table, the story would have been all over it. Um. Well, no,
0: I've, I can, I actually can see that because on most phones, particularly dumb phones, um, there's a one-button speed dial that goes to 911. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, even smartphones, the lock uh, screen will often have an emergency, emergency call. On Android, it yeah. doesn't go straight to 911, uh, but maybe on the iPhone it does. But assuming these guys had, like, burner phones... That weren't smartphones. I could totally see them accidentally dialing nine one one. And I once left my wife a forty five minute voicemail of a car ride uh, because I butt dialed <laughs> her. Uh, so I could totally see this happening. But what makes this even better is they were discussing the the intimate details of the robbery they had just pulled off. Yes.
1: And so the police sent a patrol car to the address that they were talking about and found out that it had been uh burgled uh i guess that's a good word and then so they were able to uh track these people down and arrest them and of course they claimed that uh we didn't do anything wrong you overheard um
2: oh and we lost him in
0: mid-sentence
1: in
2: in the world will never know
0: (laughs) oh seth come back all right. Well, I think we've heard uh, the the most of that one. One of my favorite things in this article is that at one point the song "Wanted Dead or Alive" by Bon Jovi could be pl- heard playing in the background.
2: There's <laughs> irony for you right there. That's awesome.
0: And now you, dear listener, are singing that song as well. You're welcome.
2: Yeah, I'm 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 one of those unfortunate but lucky souls that I don't get very many earworms to stick in my head. Yeah. Um. But the ones that are always the worst are the mony monies. <laughs> my,
0: you've probably heard the old song. This is the song that never ends. Yep, song the kids are yep. singing. For my wife, she can't resist that song, and so all <laughs> I have to do is just hum a few bars, and she yep. will punch me.
2: Oh uh, yes, <laughs> my That's my so- wife's the same way. I actually enjoy doing it just because it's so much fun
0: in the in the morning when my kids won't wake up when i'm trying to wake them up that's my punishment to them is i will start singing a song that i know will get stuck in their head all day (laughs) because i give them like three times to get up and if they don't i start singing Uh seth what was it you were going to say we we heard you say like the the worst thing or the best thing i forgot even what it was and then you went away
1: um i'm not really sure uh we're lost in there but um I kept talking because I didn't realize the call had dropped till I was at the very end. So um Whoops. I don't I don't know anyway. at what point I dropped out. Sorry.
2: Like I said, uh, the world will never know.
0: Maybe <laughs> maybe when I'm editing I can put it back in there. All right, so let's move on now to what I believe is our last news story of the week. Uh and it is what are cell phone companies up to now lessonslearned.org.
1: yeah lessonslearnedorg slash sniff you have to go there and if you go there on your um, smartphone without your wi-fi turned on you can look and see if your phone carrier is tracking your website so um if there are some values in there um what does it say? Your carrier is actively sending tracking beacons to every website you visit and every app you use that communicates via regular HTTP. So it's basically your phone company is now tracking every site you go to to build a, a model on you that they can then sell to advertisers Has um, a way for them to get more money. And he goes on and talks about some of the history Um he uh, references a 2008 article from the Washington Post in which Verizon and AT&T pledged uh, to the U.S. Senate to refrain from tracking users online. Um, but, you know, and you all, you know, it's only a matter of time. I'm sure your ISPs are doing this, too. Um, when you get online, you're going through some point And is that point tracking what you do? And again, you know, what does this mean? probably nothing, but if you're a privacy guy, again, I want to watch my cat videos and I don't really want other people to know I'm watching them, but, uh, you can just go through here and see. And if you're using, if you're going to a secure site, HTTPS, or you're using a VPN or something like that, obviously they wouldn't be able to track you, but basically your at AT&T, Verizon, they're executing a man in the middle attack against you as you browse the web or use if the apps on your phone are regular uh, and non secured in their communication. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I just did it and I got a, a UUID, a uniquely uh, identifiable number just for my phone. And this, this doesn't surprise me at all, um, but it's not a pleasant thought either. You know, when you go into incognito mode on Chrome, one of the first things it says is that we're not tracking you, but it doesn't mean that other people aren't tracking you. Right um and they are. And so, you know, if you switch into LTE to get around the uh uh porn filters at work, well yeah, Big Brother knows that.
1: Yeah. So you're gonna have there to set go. up like a VPN to your house or something, uh if you if you don't want Big Brother to know, and then it'll just be your ISP or <laughs> somebody's gonna know. You know, unless then you-, you can blame it on the boy. Yeah.
0: Right, the teenager. Yes. Yeah.
1: I wasn't at home, honey. I don't know how that was at work. I swear.
0: I had we had um, a situation. I, I'm going to be very vague about the details, but there was a situation where somebody was using Chrome at work and using Chrome at home, and had the the two browsers set to uh, sync with each other. Yep. And so the porn history at home got logged on the work machine, and trouble ensued.
2: Oh, I could see it.
0: Yeah. Um, We uh, eventually, uh, somebody was able to prove that that was what was happening, Uh, but you know, then the burden of proof was then on the on this person to to prove that that they did not browse porn at work after hours, you know. Which
2: so don't do that,
0: people. (laughs) Don't do that.
2: Oof, that would be rough. I wouldn't want to do that be in that I mean, person's shoes ever. If,
0: if you're a consenting adult and you're browsing porn at home, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not illegal. Uh, morality we can argue, but it's there's certainly not illegal. Uh but if you have any possibility that that could be uh, recorded on your work computer, you, you could have some explaining to do, Lucy.
2: Yeah. hoof Definitely not where I would want to be. <laughs>
1: all right wow Seth what were you gonna say no I was just no just I don't have words for that conversation <laughs> um that's just unusual you know and you know and people I can't really say anything I don't know what to say because anything I say is going to start us down the rabbit hole rather quickly so
0: I mean the best thing to do is just not browse porn right we can make a blanket statement there right and say that's the better best choice to make but as a consenting adult, that's your right legally to do so. But it's also the, your employer's right to fire you for doing it at work, and if you can't prove you didn't do it at work, oops.
1: Yeah, so I yeah. guess the takeaway from this is: watch, browse porn on a browser you don't use every day. So have a porn-only browser. Um, <laughs> that's right. I guess. I guess that's the and takeaway. don't
0: log it. You private mode, people, incognito mode. That's why they built it. Literally, it was built for porn. We yep. all know this.
2: Yes, we do. It is a porn browser that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Seth, what happened this week in history? Okay, this week in history, uh, October the 30th, 1987, in Japan, NEC releases the first 16-bit, which is the fourth generation video game console, the PC Engine, which is later sold in other markets under the name TurboGrafx-16.
0: I remember that. Yes.
1: Hmm. The
2: joys of that the joys of that.
0: So this was this was a console. This was not a software engine as the name says. It was a it was a console device. But yeah, I remember the TurboGrafx 16. It was yeah. on the market for like one Christmas season.
1: Yeah, well, I think yep. in Japan it was called the PC Engine. So that's right. that's the that was the Japanese name. Fun
0: stuff. All right. And while Seth has the floor, what do you have this week to decrease my productivity so that you seem like a better employment option?
1: Windows 93. www.windows93.net. It is, um, this is pretty cool. (laughs) Somebody put, um, you go there, it shows, of course, just so everybody knows, there was no Windows 93, um, Oh, so it's like a flash based interactive thing. Uh, right. Yeah. It shows it's kinda you. Cool. It shows, you know, <laughs> <laughs> some of it, like the solitaire actually works. <laughs> I just got a blue screen. Awesome. Cool. Uh, click on Hydra. That one is probably the funniest one. So there's several on there. Uh, you can go through and look at. Um, but you know, it, it's just, it's kind of neat. Um, You just go there, look, and play around. It's only in your browser, so it doesn't resonate. You're not doing anything to your computer. But I never got a blue screen on mine, so kudos to you, Mark.
0: Uh, Code, oh, that's awesome. Cut off one head, two more rises. Virtual Girl, of course, we got to try that one. What happens there?
2: Nothing, as far as I can tell.
0: No, she appears there. It takes a little bit. And then nothing. Yeah, and then she just stands there. Yeah. You know. Because no geek could ever get a girl to talk to her anyway, so this is this is true to life, right? Um, a pretty girl that ignores you,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I just thought it was kind of cool when I came across it, and uh, wanted to share it with everyone. Windows 93net dot <laughs>
0: Tro- totally not a virus. Dot trust me. Dot I'm a dot dolphin. <laughs> I could totally see files like that on Windows ninety five. Oh, and I clicked it, and my whole machine. Literally crashed to the
1: ground. But those icons are still clickable. That's the cool thing. (laughs) This is fun. Yeah, Seth, this will, in fact, lower my productivity.
0: Oh, you can move the girl, virtual girl. You can throw her around the screen. I didn't try that before. Just clicked on her and moved her. Yeah, doesn't work for me. Well, maybe only after you do the dolphin thing. Because once you do the dolphin thing, they all become uh, physical links. You can throw things around the desktop. They have
1: physics to them, but yeah, there you go. Windows ninety three.
0: I'm sorry, Seth. Uh, you're gonna have to finish the show now. I'm I'm playing. With yeah,
1: this. yeah. I'm I'm done.
2: <laughs> Did you do Hydra? <laughs> yes. Yes. You can kill Hydra though with a doctor. With the doctor, really? Yeah. If you run the doctor, it'll say, "Do you want to clean the machine?" And then they'll say something along the lines of, Do you sure you want to do this? And we could say yes. It says, uh, give me your credit card number, and you say, never mind. And it says, Oh, I was just testing you. Ha ha ha. Are you sure? Yes. And then all the virus all the ones that are viruses go away. Oh. cool. Oh, the,
0: the dolphin thing is still there.
2: I didn't get the dolphin to launch.
0: When I double clicked at everything, you you must not have html5 or something
2: anyway well no all wow. the other stuff's working but that one isn't what a oh this is awesome <laughs> i am totally gonna bring this into- site up i'm gonna bring this site up for uh I-, I have a conference with all my tech people i am totally bringing this site up
1: can we kid win ca <laughs> oh and if you try to I- shut it down it
2: all it all gets all wonky or at least mine did, mine would all. Okay,
0: so that's the one that does it then. I thought it was the dolphin that did it. It's the shutdown that does that. Or maybe they do both do the same thing on mine. Could but yeah, be. those that's when they become physical objects. You can click them and throw them around. Huh. Okay. <laughs> this is scintillating listening, I'm sure. Sorry audience, we just went down a rabbit hole. Oh, there. yeah, this, um, this is a
2: horrible rabbit yeah. hole.
0: Windows 93.net. Shh, darn you, Seth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have and a hey, new one. Inf- I am going to break all of my coworkers. This is going to be awesome.
1: You get that achievement unlocked for a million people. That didn't come up whenever I first found this site. So, you know, this site is at least changing somewhat. So, who knows? Maybe there will be more to it. I can only wonder what uh Windows 93 Service Pack 1 will bring. <laughs>
0: Active desktops. Watch TV on your desktop. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Like a little TV frame that you could play real video in, and it, like, never, ever worked because you were on a 33K modem. And you remember when real video I
1: was an awesome video player?
0: Oh, yeah. It was the best. Mark Cuban wrote that, or bought the company that wrote it, one of the two.
1: I thought he did broadcast.com.
0: But he was before. Broadcast.com was... Was a real player. They were the one and the same oh, for a while. I I did not realize that. All right. Uh, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can reach out to us and tell us how boring it was listening to us play with Windows93.net for seven minutes <laughs> on the show. Uh, ElementOP.com. Use the Contact Us button at the top of the page. That will send us a nicely formatted email that gets priority in my inbox. If you want to do it yourself, if you're a rebel and you want to use your own text-only browser, maybe you want to send us an email from Windows93, um, you can do that at EDL at ElementOP.com. If you want your own voice to appear right here alongside mine, you can call 559 am op anywhere in North America. It's a free call. Um, you can call it anywhere in the world, but it's free in North America. Leave us a message and we'll play it on the air. We love to hear from you. Uh, keep the feedback coming. Um, the best thing you can do from us, uh, short of giving us money, money is awesome, but uh, if you're not willing to do that or not able to do that, the best thing you could do for us is tell other people about it. Um I know it's painful to ask this audience too, but if you can log on to, to, um, itunes and leave us a rating and a review that would be awesome if you're unwilling to do that whatever however you get the app whatever uh you how, however you get the show whether it's stitcher or or Dogcatcher or whatever anytime you see a rating thing use it uh tell people about us to install uh a podcatcher on your great aunt's computer and make her listen to to uh, everyday linux whatever you want to do and if you're interested in t-shirts if you want me to do like a teespring thing were we on the show before that? I don't think we were on the show when we started talking about that. So Teespring is this thing; it's not new, but I just recently discovered it. Where it's like an IndieGoGo or a Kickstarter for T-shirts. You uh, you have a T-shirt design, and you you put it there and say a hundred people, or fifty people, or seventy-five people, whatever, um, uh, sign up, and you you go in and you quote unquote buy a T-shirt, but you don't get charged until the goal is met. So say I put it at 100 uh, nobody gets charged anything until 100 people buy a shirt, and then they print the shirts and sell them. And because you're buying them in bulk like that, they're cheaper. So if you went to our site at Zazzle.com and bought a T-shirt, they're super expensive. They're nice shirts, but but print-on-demand is very expensive. So we were talking about doing something like that. So let us know if you're interested in a T-shirt. If I get enough interest out there, I'll go ahead and, and have a logo commissioned and, and get something done, and uh, we'll try to do a shirt thing like that, uh, but I need to know if there's interest. Uh, let me know, and we'll do that. So, there you go. Pseudo send us an email, and let us know uh, what you think. Uh, Chris, Seth, as always, appreciate you being here. Good listener out there. Uh, bad listener, too. We love having you around, and uh, this you're the reason we do this show, and so thank you for being here with us. And for now, I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Links.